Hey, Dylan Kelly here, host of the Wave Break Podcast. Excited to get into this episode, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Wave Break Podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the growth marketing platform most recommended by other business leaders. Listen, in uncertain times, you need to be supporting your community and growing relationships with your customers. It's going to be appreciated. It's going to be remembered. It's going to be shared. And in good times and bad, this type of communication that's open and empathetic with your customers is key. This is a key theme that we've been talking about at Waybreak. I've been preaching this on the podcast. And when you're communicating with your customers in this way, the best way to do this is with email. It is and always will be one of the best channels for delivering communication like this. And what I love about Klaviyo is that email is one of its core offerings. And their personalization that you can do inside Klaviyo is just, it can't be beat. And when you leverage that personalization driven by a 360 degree view of the customer, these emails are going to feel more relevant and they're going to drive even stronger relationships. And Klaviyo gets it. They're not just, you know, some company. They understand how challenging it is right now for every entrepreneur. You know, it was hard to get your business off the ground and navigating these times is even harder. And if you're feeling overwhelmed with growing your business, know that you're not alone. Klaviyo is here to help you build relationships across any distance for your brand and create memorable and meaningful email marketing moments that last a lifetime. And that's how you build a successful e-commerce brand. And this is why I love Klaviyo so much, because they're on the same page with me and Wavebreak. is like, we're not just about making more revenue. That's great. But what this is really about is an opportunity to create an amazing community with your customers. And the best way to do it is with email. And if you're not on Klaviyo, you got to get on Klaviyo. Visit klaviyo.com to schedule a free trial. That's K-L-A-V-I. IYO.com. Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of the Waybreak Podcast. Really excited for this one. My name is Dylan Kelly. If you're new here, I'm the founder and CEO of Wavebreak. In addition to being host of this podcast, uh, if if you don't know what Wavebreak is, we help some of the fastest growing grant brands on Shopify Plus maximize their e-commerce revenue using lifecycle and retention email and SMS marketing. It's all we do. We've gotten really good at it. We go really deep, and uh, it's gotten so good that uh, well, you'll hear us talking in the interview later on what uh, what's happened because of that. But uh, <laughs> anyway, really excited for this interview. But before we jump into that, I want to talk about a a problem that I've been seeing in e-commerce, and it's not just unique to e-commerce, but entrepreneurs in general. Um, you know, we all have our next revenue goal. We all have our next goal for our business. Um, you know, and that's good. But here's the problem. There's a lot of people who, you know, want to be operating at, let's say the, you know, 10 million a year level, right? They want to be at the 10 million a year level. Maybe you're doing 1 million, maybe you're doing 3 million, maybe you're doing 5 million, maybe you're doing 8 million, but you want to get to eight figures, right? A lot of people have that goal and it's a good goal, but here's the problem. So many of these entrepreneurs who want to get to a $10 million business aren't acting like $10 million businesses. Instead, you know, let's say you're a $3 million business and if you're making decisions that a $3 million business would make, you're only going to stay a $3 million business. But if you want to be a $10 million business, you got to think about what a $10 million business would do. And this, this goes up the chain. You know, if you want to hit 20 million, if you want to hit 30 million, if you want to hit 50 million, if you want to hit 100 million, if you want to hit 200 million, 300 million, whatever your revenue goal is, 
you got to start thinking, what would that brand do? That's really the secret to growth. Think about it. Every time you double down and you do what the next version of your business would do, it grows dramatically. I've seen this with our clients. You know, they start. You know, they hire us because they say, "Hey, I want to hit twenty million. I want to hit thirty million, whatever." Uh, so I need to start thinking like that type of business. So they hire us to go really deep on their email marketing, and uh, that's a huge low hanging fruit just to help people scale. And it's something that you really need if you want to be successful and you want to build a long lasting brand. You need really good world class email and SMS marketing. The thing with email is that it's a ton of work, and even if you know what to do, it's just it's just a lot to manage. Um, and you need really good creative in 2020 and you just there's there's a lot of moving pieces you need segmentation and automation all those things and it can be complex and then you have sms in and you know sms is great but at the same time it's really expensive every message you send so it has to be good um and so all these things right i mean it just gets pushed to the back burner and that's why Waybreak exists. And that's why companies like yours hire Waybreak because we come in, become your email team, take that all off your plate and turn email and SMS into consistent top revenue drivers. You don't have to worry about it. We're optimizing it 24 seven. Um, and, and we're the best employee you've ever had because we're not an employee. We come in, we're trained, we get going from the get-go. And if you want to learn more about what we do, head over to wavebreak.com or you can request a call at wavebreak.co slash call. Fill it out. If you've been hearing this on the podcast and you haven't reached out yet, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hop on a call with you, learn more about what you're doing. We can put together a game plan for you to get to your next revenue goal. Um, you know, that being said, revenue goals are great. How do you get there? You know, email is obviously a big part of it, but today's guest, Rory McGonigal, um, you know, he knows how to do this using data. So he's a finance background. He's obsessed with the data. So many times people talk about you gotta love the numbers, fall in love with the numbers, but how do you actually do that? Today, we make that actionable. So how do you fall in love with the numbers? We talk about that. Um, and this is great from Rory too, because he started their brand. Um, it's called Hiker Hunger Outfitters, and he quickly hit seven figures within a few months. So he's really good at scaling fast. He uses data to do it. He's also the founder of a marketing consultancy in e-commerce called Smart E-Strategy. Um, so he sees a lot inside other businesses. So we talk about benchmarks as far as traffic, conversion rates, revenue, and and all these different add to cart rates and a bunch of stuff there. We talk about how to reinvest profit back into the business, mindset, everything you need relating to data and just general scaling your business using the numbers and the data that you have. We talk about, uh, you're not going to want to miss this episode. So let's just hop right into it. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Rory. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Dylan. Yeah. I'm really excited to, uh, to dive in today, but before we jump into things, you know, what's your story, Rory? How'd you get into e-commerce? Were you always were you always selling stuff? Like, do you have an entrepreneurial background, or, or how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, um, I would say for sure, have always had like an entrepreneurial background. Um, I was actually when I started our brand, um, I was working as a as a project manager for a tech company, which I think really fit in line because as like a as a business owner, as a brand owner a lot of what you're doing is you're, you're basically project managing, right? Like for us, we're dealing with suppliers, we're dealing with team members. And as the, as like the leader of the ship, you're, you're really just managing like these mini projects that your team members are working on. Obviously when you're starting out, you're doing a lot of it. Um, but I thought that was really helpful for me. That was my first job. I worked there for a few years. I started working on our brand. I started doing a few things before that were in like the service space and I didn't really love it. It was super, localized. Um, and so I definitely like put my feet into a couple of different pools, just kind of testing like the entrepreneurial world. And then, um, we started our brand in the outdoor space. I'm just like a passionate outdoors person, go camping a bunch, actually did like a hike with my wife. We did that first couple, 
was like first 800 miles on the Pacific Crest Trail. So it's just like a passionate area for us. So we started building like an audience first and foremost, and then we started venturing into selling product online. At first, we kind of started buying product from other people um, and selling that online as like a subscription. Um, and then we started developing like our own products and things like that. And that's when things quickly turned into like the seven figure portion where we started seeing sales generate quickly. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like a quick background. I did work for a finance company, which I, again, I know we have mentioned this before. Um, I think that's helped a lot because e-commerce is so numbers based. Um, I've always been very interested in numbers. Uh, I did like an economics degree in college. So I think all of that background really like set me up where e-commerce was like the perfect, uh, niche slash industry just to be in for, for me and my personality. Yeah, exactly. I, I know we we both love numbers. I mean, that's one of my favorite parts about e-commerce and business. Like, like the anxiety of being an entrepreneur just melts away when you fall in love with the numbers. With the numbers, because you just can't you can't argue with it. And, and speaking of numbers, um, you know me. Like, I love fast growth. So you started this brand. You hit seven figures within a few months. Like, how did you do that? Like, were you ramping paid ads? Like, did you know paid ads out of the gate or like? Yeah, like, what? How did you go from you know launching this brand? Right, you're like, I, I love the outdoors. I have this experience at the startup. I have this finance background. But like, how did you go and then launch this brand to seven figures in just a few months? Yeah, um, I think of just a lot of it's finding like developing the right products at the right time. Um, now we we just have like a specific product life cycle where we're always innovating on top of products, seeing what's out there on the market. Um, I think the core part came though is we were so interested in the outdoor space that you can almost say like the years prior, just being in the outdoor space, we were using products and equipment. So we kind of had an understanding of like what we liked and didn't like that was on the current marketplace. And then as we started building up like an audience, um, you know, just we kind of knew the audience to some degree because we were the audience. So we really focused on just audience building for the first portion so when we released our, our first product, I think that's why things were so successful so quickly was because of the, well, one, just knowing the industry a bit more, um, you know, having that groundwork, that legwork done just because we are, we're in it ourselves. And then also developing that audience. We did some organic strategies to build up our audience on Instagram uh, early in the days. And then, uh, yeah, we used paid ads out of the gate. We launched um, on our website and we launched on Amazon. So uh, but I think a lot of it just goes down to the audience. Like if you have a really good audience and start developing a brand, you know, you're going to start attracting, you know, lifelong customers, which I think is important. Yeah. And like, obviously you've scaled past that now, but like what, um, you know, like so, so many times I talk to people, it's like they see, you know, they could be putting money in and getting money back, right. Advertising, doing all this stuff, but it, like, it can be, it can be scary to double down and like to hit seven figures so fast. It's like, you have to keep doubling down. Like, how did you... Like, is that where you fall in love with the numbers and you're like, let's just keep going? Or like, how do you think about scaling? Yeah, yeah, well, I, for sure. I mean, it all comes down to the numbers. And I think, you know, the numbers won't lie. Um, you know, I was pretty aggressive for sure. But the other part was I didn't touch any of the, the profit, like any of the profits for really like the first two years, um, which allowed me to just reinvest that back in either a new product so we can quickly iterate and build up um, a catalog or just buy more inventory on the next batch just so we can have more because our sales were, were going up and up. So we, we never really like hit our ceiling super fast on individual products. 
So on the sub- sequential orders, we had to buy more and more. And so I think that's where, you know, I know we've worked with like a lot of brands over the years. And that's one thing we always just shy and give people caution is you don't want to take money out of the business too soon. Uh, really be conservative there because that's really what's going to like ignite your growth. So for me, with our brand, like we didn't touch anything for two years. We just recycled it, which allowed us to grow a lot faster. And then when you look at it from just a numbers perspective, if you keep that money in, I mean, it's like investing, which is why like the finance background I think was helpful too, is just knowing like how much these numbers can start compounding is if you leave some of that money in or you invest it in a new product, um, you know, those are going to make like huge swings for you fairly quickly. Yes. I, I love that you said that, like, because I think that's huge that not a lot of people realize, like for every dollar that you take out of the business, there's a cost to it. And it's a lot more than a dollar. Every dollar you pay yourself, um, you know, not only are you costing yourself growth next month, next year and like future growth, but also if at some point you want to exit the business, um, you know, the valuation is just like shrinking because, you know, the profits less and less. And, uh, you know, you can do ad backs and stuff like that whoever's buying you is going to fight you and you're not going to get a dollar for a dollar on the money you take out. And so it could end up costing you, you know, $20 for every dollar you take out if you want to exit someday. Um, which, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's huge. And I love the idea of pouring profit back into the business. And I think it's like really underrated too, is like not a lot of people, like some people want, you know, quote unquote lifestyle business. So it's like, I guess they feel like they have to take a lot of profit out of the company at all times. Um, but really like what I've seen with our clients and, you know, even my own business is like, really like at scale that's when that's when the profit happens at scale like that's where the, totally. the money is like the percentage is less but because the business is bigger it's a lot Total more money amount, it's a lot more yeah for sure i mean that's one of the big reasons why so we i did a couple of like smaller local businesses and that's one of the reasons why i didn't like them was just analyzing the numbers um there's only so many people you can reach only so many people you can service and it just wasn't scalable. And that's one of the, the most attractive things I saw with e-commerce was you're not boxed in in a store. You're not boxed in in a certain region um, with the, with some degrees, right? Like, you know, you could be boxed in with the U.S. potentially, but that's a huge market. You could be bought and a lot of brands are global. So the limits, there's not a lot of limitations for you, um, which just makes it that much more appealing. I mean, you can run pretty lean in terms of teams, uh, team size and things like that. And you can have a very large, you know, business um, with like massive scalability. Yeah, yeah, I know that. That's what's so great about e-commerce. I mean, we have clients who it's like you can count their team on their hands, and they're doing, uh, you know, eight-figure annual revenue, which is so cool. Um, yeah. which is awesome. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I love the idea of throwing money back into the business. But like, so you work with a lot of brands. You have your own brand. Like, when you're thinking about putting money back into the business, like. How do you think about that? Like, what are the different levers that you look at and consider? Because, like, you know, I think everybody at this point, you know, people listen to this podcast, like, they hear, like, oh, you need to fall in love with the data. You need to love your numbers. But, like, okay, cool. I have Google Analytics. I have, you know, five, 10 years of Shopify data. Um, you know, like, what, how, what do I do with it? What does it mean? Like, how do you, like, you have a finance background. You love numbers. Like, how do you think about numbers in your business? Yeah, well, I think, and, and I'll just kind of share, like, personal experience with our brand, um, you know, when we were just on our own and we're in some communities, which is, which is amazing. Like if you're not in a community, um, you don't really have anything to compare it with. Now, every, every niche and industry will have slightly like variations. Obviously, if you have like a brand that's doing subscriptions or subscribe and save, 
Um, your numbers will be a little different because your conversion rate will be higher just because of those pieces. But just having something to compare your numbers to is going to be helpful. Uh, and a lot of brands that we speak to, um, they don't necessarily know their numbers, but they just the, the big part is they don't have it. They don't have a comparison to. So they don't know if the numbers are good or bad, which makes them they just don't know their numbers because they're like, I don't know. Is this good or bad? Um, so I think first outlining like, what are the main numbers you should really look at? And for us, that's always been, um, you know, your, your conversion rate, um, but also ups up the funnel, right? Like you want to know what's your, your checkout rate, your abandoned cart rate. There's always going to be these little things that you can do to tweak to make big differences. So if you can get like your add to cart rate up, then obviously more people will go, you know, to check out as well. So just knowing like the entire life cycle of cold prospect to a buyer is going to be important. And that's really just, like what I would call front end acquisition. There's a lot of things on the back end that you can do. Like obviously, you know, with like email and retention um, that are going to make your numbers even more, you know, more profitable and things like that, that you can reinvest. So it's just kind of chunking them down into specific categories and knowing like, where are you at in the process? Like what should you kind of be focused on? I know we were saying before too, like if you don't have a lot of traffic or anything like that, then, you know, you might not want to be jumping onto email full throttle until you have more traffic. So just knowing like, Looking at your numbers and then di- being like able to diagnose, all right, here's the situation, here's where your focus should be and maybe where you should be putting some dollars um, to really like maximize your growth in a sense. Yeah, for sure. Like, so yeah, like w- what are those numbers? Like when you look at the funnel of an e-commerce business and the growth levers, so like, I mean, the ones I typically look at, it's like, I mean, it's just like, there's always, like I call this the uh, e-commerce growth equation, which is really just like, you know, marketing from like, just like Jay Abraham, like back in the day, right? There's three ways to grow a business. It's like, you get more people to buy, you get people to buy more, and you get people to, um, you know, buy multiple times. Like, so basically traffic, average order value, repeat orders. Um, And then of course, like conversion rate fits in. So really there's like four major levers, right? There's more traffic. You can add a higher conversion rate. So making more from the same traffic more a higher average order value uh so you know it's kind of like conversion rate except a little different Um, and then obviously like repeat too and what's cool about these numbers is like you don't have to double them or triple them to double your business you only have to increase them by 30 percent across the board like if you increase traffic 30 percent aov 30 percent and repeat 30 percent you double your business which is like so much more manageable than just like, hey, let's throw an extra, you know, 2x ad spend at Facebook. Like, let's double our ad spend and see what happens. Cross your fingers. Like, are there, like are those the same growth levers that you look at? Or like, you mentioned different stages of the business looking at different things. Like, what does that kind of look like? Like, how can we make this actionable for, for listeners to figure out like where the gaps are and like where they should double down? Yeah, well, and I'm a huge fan of Jay. So I totally agree. I mean, I think it makes it more uh, attainable too. Because the other thing is like, if you double your ad spend, a lot of times like, uh, you know, there's going to be diminishing returns on a lot of channels. So that's not going to solve all of your problems. Um, but I think just kind of depending on where you are, there are like some more metrics you could look at um, that will kind of give you an idea of like, where should you focus? Um, whether that's on the website, on your ads, your emails, I mean, with email, right? Like what are the main metrics you would look at would probably be, you know, what are your open rates? All right. If our open rates are low, um, is it a bad segment or is it more like our subjects aren't uh, that enticing? Uh, okay, cool. Now that our open rates are up, can we get more people to click through? So it's just like where are most of your people getting sent to the website? And then, you know, from there, how are they converting on the website? So you can chunk down the numbers a little bit more to get more granular because like we've seen, 
some websites just need minor tweaks and they'll have a huge lift in their conversion rate just from like bottlenecks that they've put in that they didn't think of or they're trying to model like apple and they're not apple um like i've seen a couple sites too they'll they'll require you know uh an account to be um created before they check out and it's like a smaller brand um you know that's like a huge drop off in people who do not want to go and buy so like they had a 10 percent added cart rate but their conversion rate was like 0.5%. Um, we, we turned that off and like overnight, their 4% conversion rate went up. Like it was crazy. Um, so it's just like knowing, again, you needed something to compare to. Um, so that's where just knowing like numbers in the industry um, or just networking with other brands, seeing where can you, you swing your numbers up? Because like that's obviously a huge difference because you don't have to change anything, whether it's on ads or email but now you're, you're converting more people just from things you fixed on the website side. Uh, and it's really like, it's one like minor fix. So I think just learning more on the data side is going to be helpful because you don't necessarily need to do anything uh, or alter anything on the marketing side that you're doing, but you can increase, you know, the revenue that you're generating, making yourself more profitable by just knowing like, all right, here's the data and here's like where maybe the biggest gap is for us. What are a few things we can do and kind of isolate the problem and clear that out? Right. Like one of the biggest problems I think is happening in e-commerce is like this like monkey see, monkey do mentality. It's like everybody looks at the top brands and like, what are they doing? And it's like, I want to do that. And they just copy them. But like, you know, we see this with email all the time. I mean, we even have competitors rip our emails off, like not just brands, but like, I mean, agencies too, but that's a different story for a different day or a website. That's a new one. That's been fun. Uh, <laughs> multiple people. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, like this monkey see monkey do, like people are just looking at other people when really like the answers are within, like you can't just because what it looks like it's working on the outside. You have no idea, like especially with email marketing, like it could be the graphic designer at the company putting it together and there's no strategy behind it. And then you're going to copy it because it's X brand. What are some, like we talk about these benchmarks, like what are some benchmarks that people should look at? Obviously it's going to vary by industry. It's going to vary by like, you know, the size of the business, what the levers are, but like, is there kind of a breakdown for like, depending on business size or industry or, or for all these things, like, is there kind of a benchmark that you can, um, you know, maybe give listeners so that, you know, cause they have this data. I think now they understand, you know, we need, we, we need to figure out where the gaps are. Like what are some of the most common gaps that you see? And like, what are some numbers I guess that they can, uh, you know, look through and like, what are some benchmarks they can check just like, you know, some for some quick wins or something? Yeah. I mean, we always look on the website first just because, you know, if you clean those up, then it's going to make a big impact. Like I was saying before. So those core ones that we look at would be, really like your add to cart percentage. So overall traffic who are actually adding to cart, we, on average, we see most people between eight to 12%. And then conversion rate should really be like, conversion rate, like we were saying before, depends on your revenue thresholds, but anywhere between two to 4%. We've actually, we have a, a client whose conversion rate is like 16, 17%. So there's always gonna be these, these, these one-offs and like variable brands, uh, but that's definitely not standard. So I would say like, just kind of think about those benchmarks for them. They have a ton of repeat customers um, and their, their brand's really unique where they drop in like limited products, um, like literally every day. So, you know, there's a reason why their conversion rate is so high. So keep that in mind, especially when you're talking to other brands, um, try and compare yourself to a brand that's similar to you, um, whether that's revenue levels, um, same industry and things like that. 
But those would be some good benchmarks is added to cart rate should be like eight to 10 per eight to 12% roughly. And then conversion rate really two to four. Um, and like with most things, as you scale up, like we were saying, your, your profitability uh, percentage is going to go down, but you're going to get, you're going to net more. So same with ads, same with your website. Um, you'll see your conversion rate drop a bit, which is fine. So if you're, you know, doing lower volumes, then, you know, 4% is not uncommon. Like, I was saying like this one client does 16, we've seen 10, four, six, I mean, all over the place, but um, those are just good benchmarks, at least on the website side to really look at. And right. if you're under those, then there's, there's some, uh, some problems probably on the website for sure. Right, right. And so, so like, what is the typical size of the business kind of like range for this? Cause I know like, you know, if you scale up, you're doing 50 million a year, you're probably not going to be sitting at a five to 10% conversion rate. Yeah. Um, so like, what is, what does that look like just for perspective? Cause I don't want, I don't want some listeners, you know, who are kind of like, you know, they, they might be sitting at a 1.98 conversion rate with a brand that's doing, you know, a million or 2 million a month or something. And like, yep. you know, that could be solid for them depending on the industry could, yeah, and what they sure. sell. But, but yeah, like any other way to kind of benchmark this a little bit tighter, just so people know, and they don't start freaking out. Like I don't have a 17% conversion rate. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and, and I think the big thing too is, um, keep in mind, like how many repeat customers you have. How often are you coming out with new products? Because um, that will be a big variable, um, you know, the subscription and things like that. But I would say if you're under a million um, per year, you can definitely see a higher conversion rate. After that, you know, um, I would say, you know, we were working with a, a client that was doing about 20 million a year and their conversion rate was like 1.5 to 2% usually. So that was like a good benchmark. Like they're obviously not at four or 5%. It's consistently gone down as they ramp up on other channels, um, have gotten more global and things like that. So I'd say if you're under like a million or two, um, yeah, you'll have a higher conversion rate. And then if you're above that, you know, just kind of expect and start planning too, that you're going to start seeing diminishing returns. Um, and you're going to see that across like all channels really. Yeah, absolutely. Especially as you scale, cause you have to go more and more into, yeah. I mean, there's just so much more stuff to do. And it, it is kind of freaky, like we talked about, you know, it's like, oh, crap, my conversion rate's going to get lower. Um, and, and my profit margin is going to shrink, like I'm gonna have to pay more to acquire customers. Uh, but like we said, you know, if you're doing 20 million, and you know, let's say you're taking home 10% on that, like, that's still more than taking home 50% of a million. Right? Totally. Um, and then that's when too, it's like, you just start to add more and focus on the different levers. So like once you're doing 10, 20 million a year, it's like, that's when you really need to start focusing on lifetime value, repeat orders. Like if you look at like large brands, like the biggest metric they're focused on is usually lifetime value just because of like, I mean, yeah, like someone like a Nike, right? Like they're so focused on that. And, and I mean, Nike's even like, you know, total outlier too. Cause it's, I mean, that's very different, but, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just different. Yeah. I mean, one other thing I wanted to say too, is like on conversion rate, like this is a little secret tip to get, to figure out like other conversion rates of similar companies in your industry, look up your competitors and then Google like case study conversion rate. And you'd be surprised at what you can find because, you know, agencies are going to want to brag like, oh, we got, you know, Keels or whoever, you know, 2.9% conversion rate off mobile traffic or whatever. And then you kind of have a benchmark there. Um, you might even be able to figure out what they did to do it. That's a quick little, quick little hack to figure out what your competitor's conversion rate might be. <laughs> nice. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Everybody have fun looking up case studies now. Um, <laughs> I love doing that. That's, I mean, that's why I have the podcast too. Uh, so then I can actually steal, you know, straight from the person like I am right now. Um, <laughs> but, but cool. One thing I also wanted to talk about, and I'm curious your perspective on this too, but 
you know, I, I think you believe in this based on how you scaled that your your business from zero to seven figures so fast by reinvesting your profit. But like one thing I'm a big believer in is like to become the business you want, you have to operate as if you're already that business. So for example, if you want to be a 10 million year e-commerce brand, you don't want to think like a 1 million year e-commerce brand. You want to think like a 10 million year e-commerce brand. Because if you think like a 1 million year brand, you're going to stay at 1 million and be like, why am I at a million still? Well, because you're doing what a million a year brand does versus like, you know, the clients that we've seen grow the fastest. It's like they look ahead and, you know, they start out, you know, they're doing, you know, XYZ revenue and they're like, okay, you know, we want to triple, we want to double, we want to quadruple, whatever it is, hit X revenue benchmark. They look at what those companies are doing and then they just, they just go for it. Um, and you know, what's funny is like the revenue grows. Um, so I'm curious, like, do you have any, well, yeah, like what's your thoughts or perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Um, I mean, I think that's where you're not going to become, you know, it's like the cause versus the effect. Like if you want to become that company or or even like, you know, not to go into like personal development, but if you want to become someone, um, you know, you have to, to become that person first or become that company first before you attain that goal. And I think that's a big thing too, is just developing, um, you know, branding and things like that. Like for us, um, making branding where it looks like you're a big company, but you could be like a size of like three or four or five people. Um, but you look like a really like established company. Um, your branding's really on point, but that's going to really help you acquire customers, gain more trust where you look like more of a legitimate company. So it's like always make yourself, um, you know, future pace yourself in a sense where wherever you want to go. Yeah. I mean, reverse engineer it, but yeah, you know, start establishing and putting things together where, you can start becoming that company before the revenue essentially hits it, right? Um, and I think when you are scaling in, in uh, your business, you have to make a lot of decisions to obtain those goals, right? Like you have to hire people, you have to hire companies, um, you have to make decisions before you get there. But if you don't make those decisions, you'll never get there. It's a lot of, yeah, reverse engineering, I would say. Um, but if you don't do that, then yeah, you're, you're really not going to get there. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Like, do you do, like, I know so many people who it's like, they don't even have a target. Like, they're just like, yeah, I want to grow. It's like, maybe I'll hit X. It's like, but if you don't have a target, you'll never hit it. And then the other thing is too, like, I'm curious, like, you're a finance guy. Do you have like a pro forma P&L and stuff built out for the stuff you do at like Hiker Hunger? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Which like so many people don't, but like if you build out a pro forma P&L, um, you know, and like project your growth and what that looks like. You can literally reverse engineer it. Like people want to spend the same ad spend last month to make, you know, 30% more revenue this month or whatever. But it's like, hey, if you're putting a dollar in and getting $2 or $3 out, it's like, it's kind of simple formula. It's like, just put a little more in or like, you know, make that higher. It's like, that's what I found makes things so much easier is like having a clear target and then, you know, having an actual projection to hire against. So I know it's not going to be perfect, but then, you know, it's like, well, if we want to hit X target, we need to do X, Y, Z, pull these levers, hire this agency, hire this person, buy this inventory, et cetera. Like, what is the impact of having a pro forma P&L had on your business? And like, what does that do for you as an entrepreneur with your like confidence as a marketer and CEO? Well, and I think this is a big thing for a lot of businesses is not necessarily being savvy on the number side, which ultimately that's like the life and blood of your business. Um, I think you're going to gain a lot of security and confidence. And I mean, obviously with the recent uh, like pandemic, I'm sure a lot of businesses were hit hard. I think the average um, cash on hand in a business was like less than 21 days, um, which is wild because obviously like this has been going on for a few months. Um 
So like, I think just knowing your numbers is super important, starting to build, uh, you know, like cash reserves for sure. Um, but then also having cash for like investing and growth is super important. So, you know, when you generate X amount of revenue, like a percentage should go back immediately back into marketing, a percentage could go into like product research and development, um, existing inventory that you're going to rebuy, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where if you don't touch the money um, as you're growing, you're going to be able to do a lot more and grow a lot faster because there's nothing else being siphoned off for, you know, personal pay or anything like that. Um, so I think getting a solid foundations around your numbers are, uh, is just super important. Like having these benchmarks, because, um, I think there's like a quote, what you don't measure, you can't manage. Um, so if you're not looking at your numbers or if you don't have benchmarks, then you're not really going to be able to manage it or grow it because you're, you're just not even aware of it. Um, and that could be just looking at the daily numbers from your ads, like what's your cost per acquisition? Uh, is that up or down, you know, making decisions based off there. But if you're not managing that, or if you don't even know, like, what is your cost per acquisition, which is honestly, like, it's always been mind blogging uh, to me because I'm like a numbers guy, but a lot of brands don't know, like the profitability margins and what they should be getting for like a return on ad spend. So, um, you know, I think that's, these are all just really important metrics because, um, you just, you know, if you don't know your numbers, then ultimately you don't know if you really have like a profitable business, um, or just what can you do in the next few months? Um, so if you don't have that, that war chest built up, like you can't really make decisions from a, a, a place of confidence in a sense saying like, you know, here's our, our trend of where we're going. Um, but we also have some cash reserves and things like that, but then also a portion that can be reinvested in a new marketing channel. Like we're going to test out. Uh, TikTok that's blowing up. Like if you don't have those uh, numbers or those those cash savings, then ultimately you can't really make those decisions confidently. Yes, a hundred percent. Like the worst thing an entrepreneur can do is make their decisions with their feelings, because it's like, I mean, one minute you're on top of the world, and the next minute you're like, oh, I want to quit. I'm gonna sell this business. Why am I even in it? Um, so it's like if you're making decisions, and it's like you know the ups and downs of entrepreneurship based on those feelings, it's like. Oh my goodness, like what if you get in a bad headspace? You're gonna make the wrong decision. Like it's just guaranteed. Um, and that's what I love about the numbers and the facts is that it's not it doesn't correlate to your feelings at all. Cause then you know and I love how you talked about too, it's like setting aside a percentage of money like for everything, because yeah, like if you don't know how much you can spend, it's like I mean, what are you doing? You're guessing. And uh yeah, I mean there's so much to unpack there. Like, uh have you read the book Profit First? I haven't, but yeah, I know a lot of the principles. Um, yeah, yeah like, I, I have, I have like, I know a lot of people have read it, so I, I basically got the summarized versions. Yeah, and like, I think the summarized version is better than the actual book because the, the actual book like goes into. So for people who don't know, Profit First by Mike, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Michalowicz or something. Um, it's about like how to. It's basically around like you know what what gets measured gets managed like in setting aside a profit percentage first of what you want to make profit and like giving a percentage to every aspect of your budget and then you just transfer it automatically to these accounts blah 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 like don't follow it exactly to t like they give some percentages in the book but like those percentages are just gonna like hurt you and hold you back but the concept is really really great it's like what you talked about Rory it's like like sit down and actually figure out you know of x revenue you know x goes to our products x goes to this x goes to that because then you just operate with complete clarity on like just like everything because then you know it's like can we afford that it's like well let's check the account it's like okay yeah and love the idea too of just like getting money in the bank um because 
yeah, I mean, it's a totally different game. Like so many of the, uh, I think it's like the luxury brands, like they're just sitting on fat stacks of cash and like, they don't even care. Like, like the Gucci's and whoever's, I think some are hurting, but some are sitting on fat stacks of cash. I heard or riot or something. And it's like, they're not even freaking out. And like, I, I know an entrepreneur too, like his first goal was like, I'm going to save a million bucks in the bank. Yeah. And you know, Corona hit and he's like thinking about like, oh sweet, I'm going to pick up a ton of real estate or whatever. It's just like, there's so much peace in that. Um, you don't have to save it overnight, but like you set aside those percentages, it's just like peace of mind. And then you just go into these times and like, we have clients who are like, dude, we're ready to go and just like eat it up. And like SCPM's dropping, people pull out of advertising. We want to be more aggressive and stuff. And it's like, it's just because they know their numbers. They know what their, you know, ROAS is. They know what their profit is. They know what they can spend. They know their lifetime value and all that stuff. And it's like, it's really that simple. It's scary at first, but once you dive in, you feel so much better. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know if you know Roland Frazier, but um, I know he's been pretty adamant too. Like there's a lot of businesses for sale because those businesses most likely didn't have a solid foundation on their numbers, um, which if you do know your numbers, there's a lot of businesses that are almost like discounted now where they didn't have, um, you know, the means to continue to run or for whatever reason. But those are now like discounted, almost like, you know, properties if those dip at all, um, which then just give you more control if you do have your, your finances really in order. Yeah, for sure. It, it's all in the numbers. You got to fall in love with the numbers. If you haven't fallen in love with the numbers, you've heard it a million times. This is your final reminder. <laughs> fall in love with the numbers. Like some people are so freaked out. It's like going to the doctor. Like they don't want to look at their numbers because they don't, they're afraid of something being wrong. But it's like you're just making the problem worse every day you don't look. So just look. Awesome. Well, hey, Rory, we're starting to run out of time here. As we wrap up, like any other words or pieces of advice that you want to end on? I can't really think about it. I mean, I'd say, yeah, just, you know, look at your numbers, like we've been saying. And then um, the other big thing, though, is if you don't know, like, what to compare to, um, yeah, I think Dylan's hack earlier was, was really helpful. Um, just try and get some some ideas so you have something to compare it to. Um, and nothing needs to be, I think that's where people will look at problems and then they'll freak out. But problems are actually like a really good thing because obviously then there's something you can fix, which ultimately is going to be great in the long run and, and hopefully in the immediate future. Yeah, just get some comparable numbers so you can start making a, a bigger impact for your brand. Boom. And uh, you actually have a great resource for people to compare numbers because you basically run a marketing consultancy consultancy slash community of e-commerce brands. Like, Tell us more about Smarty Strategy and the stuff you got going on there as we wrap up here. Yeah. So, um, you know, I founded Smarty Strategy three or four years ago. Um, and a lot of it was just kind of like the issues we ran into with our own brand as we were scaling it up, noting like our conversion rate was kind of a bottleneck. Some of the branding stuff that we had developed wasn't really up to par. Um, so once we really kind of cleaned up our foundations, we saw like a massive improvement in profitability from like all of our ads and emails. Um, so now we've kind of developed just like a framework being able to diagnose what's wrong with a, uh, a brand and then kind of focusing on like where the biggest improvements are going to come through. Uh, we do have like a free community that we have some training in there. I know Dylan, you did a, a training a couple weeks ago. Um, that's really more for just, you know, brand owners. If you do have questions or things like that, like if you do want to compare numbers or something like that, that's a good area, good resource for people to get plugged into. Um, yeah. And it's just a free group where we do a lot of trainings um, give people some resources so they can make better decisions for themselves in the future. Got it. Awesome. So yeah, it's a great community. I've been a part of it. The, um, you know, I joined recently 
And yeah, like you said, I presented some stuff on email. It was super fun. A lot of really smart people in the group too. Um, really nice too and welcoming. So yeah, go check that out. I'm going to link up all your other stuff too, like your brand, uh, Smarty Strategy and all the different stuff that you've got going on. Uh, but yeah, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Rory. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dylan. Now, listener, before I sign off, stop me if this sounds familiar. Your email marketing is stuck. You feel like you could be doing email better. You're not generating enough email revenue, and you feel like you're leaving money on the table. But you don't have the time to figure email out yourself or or do it on your own because you have a business to run. Imagine this. Imagine not having to worry about leaving money on the table with your email marketing. Imagine not having to figure out what to send, when to send it, how many emails should look, what automation you need, what segments you need, how often you should be contacting your email list, or just worrying about sending the next email. You don't have to worry about any of that. Imagine having peace of mind knowing that your email marketing is generating sales in good hands. At Wavebreak, we help Shopify stores maximize their email marketing revenue. That's it. We don't do anything else. And we've created a system called the Wavebreak method that, number one, makes you less dependent on Facebook or other marketing channels. Let's say something bad happens. Facebook says, see you later, Shopify store, and they just completely kill your ad traffic overnight. You don't have to worry. You don't have to stress because you're good to go because you have a cushion of email revenue. You don't have to worry about how or what what your wife is going to do or if you're going to be able to make rent or if you're going to be able to pay people because you have this cushion of email revenue to rely on. Number two, the second thing this does is huge. And it's how stores scale from seven figures to eight figures uh, to nine figures. And the secret is repeat purchases. The Wavebreak method gets rid of one-time buyers and increases repeat orders. Number three, it keeps your email list engaged. You don't have to worry about Black Friday and beyond. We'll figure out the ideal amount of times that your list needs to be contacted to maximize revenue, and then we'll execute it for you. If you want to learn more about this system and how we can work together to apply it to your business, go to wavebreak.co to schedule a call with me. And I'll personally send you my calendar link and we can chat one-on-one. Now, I don't have unlimited time to do these calls. I can only do a couple of them per week. So if you want to get your call, uh, go sign up at wavebreak.co for it as soon as possible and we can talk about how we can work together. Thanks for listening to this episode. Subscribe to the show on iTunes to get notified of new episodes as soon as they drop. 